0: Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN podcast. I am your host, as always, Billy, uh, the feeder podcast for Mickey's Mosh Pit. I am joined this week uh, by WrestleZone head referee. Is it head referee or senior referee? Head referee sounds good. Let's go for that. We'll go for head referee. <laughs> WrestleZone head referee, uh, Dennis Law. Welcome to the show. Hello. Nice to be on. Um, nice to have you on. It's the first time of had referee on the show. So it's... it's it's uh. Bit of a new, new world for the questions. I can't go uh, like best wrestling. I, I never asked best wrestling move anyway, but I can't ask it now. Um, first question is always the same though. So we'll just dive straight in. How did you get to pro wrestling? What was the moment that watching it got you hooked?
1: Um, I was thinking about this today and sometimes my memories aren't very clear from when I was younger, but there's one thing that really sticks in my head is when the Old Mac Warrior returned um, at Mania 8. That that really hooked me in, and I don't really know how I came came about seeing it, but I think that was like the gateway into being a wrestling fan. And then it was like a lot of children that grew up in the 90s. I was like Friday Night Raw, watching it with my dad and my brother. And then I think one of the other things that really that really got me as well was um, rushing home from school to watch um, a recorded version of King of the Ring 1998 and Mick Foley going off to Hell in a Cell that was that's really been impr- imprinted in my brain
0: that, that's like a bit of a chalk and cheese thing <laughs> so you've got the yeah. big colorful ultimate warrior and then the yeah. next thing is Mick Foley dying
1: <laughs> yeah i think it's when i was i was a lot younger when it was kind of like warrior and hogan and it was just their humongous personalities colors and and everything and then as i was getting older i kind of veered away from that and kind of was more into kind of like your kind of mankind's and you know this sort of just getting into the into that attitude era eventually but yeah definitely like definitely warrior and hogan to begin with but i think most people my age will say the same
0: Very well, uh, yeah it seems to be very there's quite a cross a cross section of, of uh like just common favorites i know people my age it's all jeff hardy steve austin the rock yeah you know? and then a little bit older like not too much older but uh like Hogan, Warrior, Savage, all that kind of thing. Um, but did you have any devi- like odd favourites? Like was you a little soft spot for like I don't know, like a Steve Blackman or or a I'll say Scotty just because he's, he's been at WrestleZone.
1: Yeah, um, try to think. I was quite a big fan of uh, like Tatanka when he was doing that undefeated streak, and I guess he wasn't really for our kind. Like I didn't feel like I was like. This is, I like, guess, for the UK audience, because we were very much like Bret Hart, kind of. But I did like to tank I mean, if you want to go odd, let me think. Um, I don't know.
0: Obscure as you want. Obscure as I, 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 I like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess um, so, Ken Shamrock was one that really stood out for me. I never realised, I never. I always thought he would just get right up to the top. And I was always disappointed when he never got like the title shots or whatever. I liked his kind of dangerous man and other than the kind of referee abuse that he did, you know, I didn't really appreciate that. And obviously he set a standard of referee attire that maybe Mikey might be able to achieve, but I certainly would never be able to achieve at WrestleMania 13. So. Oh, the, uh, they're all uh,
0: tied at the, at the waist. Yeah. Short Michaels did that as well. Short Michaels
1: did that. He was like uh- the very kind of skin tight kind of, you know, shorts on, so... Yeah, not not my scene, but yeah. I think Ken Shamrock's not a very interesting answer, but I think that's for me, really, because I had a gap in watching. um, I kind of missed a lot of that, actually. I went back and I've re rewatched a lot of it. But I picked up again about uh, WrestleMania, Master's Square Garden, WrestleMania 20.
0: Oh, that, yeah, that is a big gap then. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: so kind of like, he who shall not be named winning the sort of World Heavyweight title. Because um, I think I got a VHS copy of the recording, I think my sister might have had Sky and I didn't I didn't have Sky at the time, like during those years. So um, if it was nowadays, it'd be easy to just go on and have the network. But back then, without having Sky, you really didn't. It was really hard to watch. I didn't watch kind of it when it was on Channel 4 for a cup of coffee either. So, yeah, I picked up again in sort of Mania 20 and then went full in to eventually attending a WrestleMania myself.
0: Oh amazing. That's 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 on the bucket list for me. But um yeah, yeah so that, that, that was a, a fairly big gap then. So my first my first resume was resume at 15. So that's bang in that time, Ken Shark yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then the, like you say, there's you know someone, there's always a guy or someone you know that's got Skybox yeah. office or willing to pay for it. Um I've got a box full of, of VHS copies of like every event from 2000 to 2003, maybe of somewhere uh, in my parents' loft because they're not getting in this house apparently, <laughs> so they just have to stay there forever. Um, but yeah, there's always there's always someone. So, resume Me* at twenty, how? So you watched that? Was it he who must not be named? Was was the guy that you kind of was like, oh, I keep watching it because of this guy, or was there anyone yeah. that was like, oh, that's amazing, you see him more?
1: I think so, but I was also quite uh, like. Kind of like John, you know, John Cena was—he was just kind of coming up as well, and I was like, "Whoa, who's this guy?" Because he he had a lot of charisma, and also, of course, The Rock and um, Mick Foley against the Evolution as well was a match that I was particularly interested in, just because again, because of the personalities that were involved. But yeah, it was mostly for that main event, I think. Uh, and- I was a, I was kind of a fan of—I was a fan of him, um, because he really delivered in the ring.
0: It's a thing with—I mean, of course, because we're we're still wrestling fans, so we get to see the the joys that it is to her. But uh, it's folk not understanding why why these old timers come back, and it's the exact reason why you started watching,
1: because yes.
0: <laughs> you saw you saw the Rock, who at that time, I mean, he was only about a year, two years out of wrestling, and he mm. would have been considered a part timer or or that. And I started I went to wrestling because of Billy Gunn and Hacksaw and yeah. Duggan, so I was pulled in because of these part-timers, you know. Um, so attending WrestleMania, which one did you go to?
1: Uh, 29, so, New York slash New Jersey.
0: So is that uh, the Twice in a Lifetime?
1: Yes, and Punk Taker.
0: All right, so if Punk Taker was, was the one that pulled you in for it. That was,
1: that was fantastic. Yeah, that was a really good, a really good match and to be there live any, I think for being our life for Taker's entrance is kind of like is just gives you chills and yeah, everyone should experience it once. Although it looks like it, no, you're not going to get the chance to. But still, going to a mania is amazing. Just everything around it, going to WrestleCon and you know just weird stuff like you go to the toilet in Ravens or You know, it's just that kind of thing. You know that you just you don't experience in your sort of day to day nine to five kind of thing.
0: Yeah, we were trying to. When they announced it was going to be Hollywood in two years' time, we're, we started kind of making plans to oh, maybe we could save up and go. Um, but we're, we're 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 still young enough to have like grown-up plans before I think. Oh, I need to go to WrestleMania. Um, yeah. So that that unfortunately, I've got I've got like six windows to get in this house replaced. So unfortunately, oh, no. that is WrestleMania uh, for me. <laughs> so I'll have to point to them every time every time they get installed. Just go that's my WrestleMania. Uh, but yeah, no. It's, I- I- yeah,
1: and sorry, I kind of did it before. You know, I was married and children and everything. I thought I was good to get it done then. And then now I've done it. If the opportunity ever comes up again, I'm doing it again. But it looks very unlikely. I think if we ever went across the pond, it would probably be to like Disneyland probably.
0: Well, that that was my gambit. It was like going. We go to WrestleMania in Hollywood because there's there's a Disneyland not far away. <laughs> so if you go to that. I'll go to WrestleMania. And yeah. then we'll just meet at the hotel afterwards. So we're all good. It's fine. All sorted. But uh yeah, unfortunately unfortunately uh drafts seem to just override uh that, that plan. But Monday, hopefully, maybe when they do a UK one, I'll still not be able to go because the price will be absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Uh to I'll stand outside somewhere and just heat it. Uh <laughs> so raven in the toilets. So that sounds like that that's that happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's just because it was at WrestleCon so people were kind of just filtering all around and you know you, you had more access to people than maybe like a Wrestlemania access but it was just strange you know you kind of walk in you kind of think one step back oh and then you just got on with your business because you're in the toilet so you can't really speak to anyone in in the toilet I I have enough like now to know that that is certainly not the done thing to do so I've heard the Randy Orton story or was it a, a photo of Randy Orton that appeared on Twitter of, someone like taking a picture of him washing his hands in the toilet and I thought yeah that that's that's just too far.
0: I think there was one I can't remember which podcast it was on but I heard the story of, of uh, I think it was Wade Barrett telling it that uh, about uh, maybe inside the ropes actually um, of, of someone following Brock Lesnar around a gym and then into the toilets and then promptly got thrown out of the toilets by Brock Lesnar. <laughs>
1: yeah that's that, yeah that is just Completely insane. That's he probably got off quite lightly, just getting thrown out. Uh,
0: so, so how how aware were you we of the Scottish wrestling scene before you started training um, to well, to get free or start training Wrestlezone in general?
1: Well, I'd actually I I was aware of of Wrestlezone itself themselves. I had been to a show, um, a couple a couple of shows actually. I think I'd been to a Liquid show. And I was at the um, Summerhill Hotel, Regal Rumble, that um, Brian Tucker one. Right. So this is going back, is this going back to 2011? Could be 2010, 2011. Not 100% sure of the dates. I I, I knew, like, the new core nucleus of the guys, like, o- from over the years. Um, I'd, I'd known them probably since I was about probably 16, probably. So I knew of them. So I knew about WrestleZone. Um... So yeah, kind of, I had an awareness of them, but uh, the wider scene, um, very, very little. Um, my my wrestling at the time, I was more focused on watching sort of WWE, um, sort of Ring of Honor kind of Brian, Punk, Joe, and then graduated into TNA with you know, kind of Joe Angle, you know, you know, and AJ Styles and stuff. So I wasn't really seeking out anything in in Scotland, but I did always keep track of how wrestling was doing, or try to attend the The shows that I could. Um, I
0: was trying, Yeah, when you were speaking about 2011, he mentioned TNA, and I thought, like, oh God, hope you're weren't, weren't watching it. No, 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 point. we're but going 2006 yeah, time. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that was kind of like, and then I kind of just kept kind of watching WWE mostly. Would be my kind of main promotion I was watching at the time.
0: Were Were you an avid watcher of the wrestling channel then?
1: I was actually. That That was yeah. I do remember the wrestling channel. Um, because. I think it kind of just rotated a lot of things like over and over again, but you know, there's some good world of sport bouts on there, and you know, I think I remember watching major league major league wrestling on there as well. Um, I think there was a, a storyline maybe I try to think was it Raven Punk did some stuff in in MLW, I'm sure, and I think Dusty Rhodes was there and Steve Carino. and yeah, the, yeah, I, did, I do remember the wrestling channel. Oh, bit, that was
0: that was my um, hook up into into TNA and stuff. Man, Vic,
1: yeah,
0: was it, a turning point in two thousand and four. That was just, that was all in on TNA from that point onwards. As yeah. soon as Elix Skipper got onto the cage, that was it.
1: Yeah, and Don West just losing it.
0: Oh, Don West was the best. I can't believe he got so much hate online from people. People just don't like fun. That's that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, so, so you knew the guys. So was that kind of where you kind of not coerced, but we like politely suggested to try. Uh, training, or was it something you wanted to do? What, well, where did
1: that journey lead to? I think I've always known that I've never had the sort of athletic capability to be a wrestler, but always wanted to be involved in wrestling in some way. So I kind of realized, okay, I've got these limitations, but I, but re, but I looked at a referee and thought, well, I could maybe try this, not knowing that I could do this successfully or not, and. That could be my way to be part of the show, rather than put myself through trying to train to be a wrestler and more than likely fail miserably and then go, oh well, that's me, that's me finished and and skulk away. I, I thought, well, let's go down the referee route and see how I get on. And I think I've done all right.
0: Not bad. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's the thing. It's like well, I'm I'm the same. I just don't have I don't have the coordination. That's the biggest issue. And then I, and then once I turned. When I passed my driving test, eighteen. So once I turned eighteen and stopped walking everywhere, that was pretty much the end of the athletic bit as well. So it was just, yeah, that was that was the killer. But I wanted to always try and beat into it. I always thought, oh, eventually I'll train to be a manager. And then now I'm thirty I'm like I don't want to do that. I'm quite happy <laughs> just quite happy doing this. This will do. I'm yeah. in it, but in it enough that I'm not getting. I'm only getting the snidey comments on on social media. That'll do. Take
1: that, <laughs> yeah, that's fine, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so was refing always so, like, you say, refing was kind of like your your go to, that was what you were going to do when you started. So, I don't know how zone operated, where you got the basics how to wrestle and then did refing, or how did you actually get I to be a referee?
1: I kind of got a different journey compared to Mikey. I'm not going to tell her story because. I don't know if you're going to have him on or not. Maybe one day. Possibly but, one day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, I was just from a purely refereeing standpoint, and kind of just enough to know how to do the kind of referee spots, for want of a better term. So, my training isn't so. I'm not like a wrestler trained per se, but I can do it, I can do the referee's job in its entirety. So, I was kind of trained up as a referee. Was how it, how it worked for me.
0: So, so we're not going to see you in a a match like Winky anytime soon?
1: Not unless you want to see the most one sided beating of all time in Wrestlezone history, then probably not. (laughs) Sounds
0: like you're calling out everyone there. Uh, Uh, No,
1: (laughs) I mean, they're beating me up. (laughs) Don't you start writing things that might get me into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: So, yeah, so what was it like? When were you told that, right, you've, when when were you told you're right, right, you're ready, you're going to referee this match?
1: When, where, who? Um, it was. It was more. Do you want? Do you want to go and apply your skills on a show now? Do you? You know, we feel like you're confident. Do you feel confident enough? And I kind of went. Well, can I kind of have a half show maybe to try and test the water? Because I didn't know what it was going to be like being out in front of a crowd. Um, that's a complete game changer. Um, you could do. Everything you can, like in amongst training and, and things, but once you're in front of a crowd, it, it it's completely it's completely different. Um, you know, some people thrive and some people fail. Um, so I what so I kind of agreed to do like half a show, and that was in Fraserburgh Leisure Centre, uh, June 2011. So then that was my kind of like introduction to on show, um, refereeing. So just half a show, and I think maybe the last. No, was there a battle royal? I remember two of the matches. I remember my first match because that was um, Sterling Oil against Los Pistols, and it was a tag a tag title change actually. So it's quite a good um, first first ever on show match. And then my main event. Now I guess this is kind of like out of the frying pan into the fire. My main event was Andy Wild versus BT Gunn, so two guys that aren't what you would consider to be Wrestle Zone guys, and that was my kind of first first main event. So. It was yeah. And and I thrived on the on the pressure and I, I, I really enjoyed myself, obviously, and that's why I'm sitting here talking to you today. Um so yeah.
0: So so that's, yeah, literally going from guys that are core wrestle zone guys yeah. in, in Sterling Island and whoever maybe the Los Sistos. Uh, and then yeah, being thrown straight into Gun Wild, which at the time what twenty eleven, so Andy Wild especially was just red hot in the UK. Yeah. Uh BT Card obviously wasn't that far behind, but yeah, that's yeah. two quite big guys to be in the ring with. Um I mean nowadays of course there's an earpiece and, and that. So how I mean outside the ring, I thought it's to to spoil everything, but you work in accountancy. Uh work in accountancy. So you're pretty good at counting.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how, <laughs> but, three, five, and ten. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, how How's that for your actual like, timing and, and remembering bits and pieces of information in a in a match? How How you don't have to have, don't have to, to peel back the secrets of wrestling, but uh, how easy did you find doing that? Like without someone in your ear telling you timings and whatnot. Well,
1: I think it just depends on who you're working with. To be honest, there are some people that. I'll give you the bare minimum, just the bits that you need to know. And there's some people that will give you everything, including what they need to know and their opponent needs to know. So it really depends, like match by match. Um, myself and Mikey, we approached. I'm going to drop a name here, so be ready to pick up Billy. We approached uh, Jay Lethal and asked him, kind of like, how? What? When you work with referees, what do you like in a referee that you work with? And he said that he likes kind of a referee to, like, know the match so that he's always got that, like, safety net, just in case. And he probably 99% of the time never needs it. But for that one time, the referee can be there and just help him along the way with what he needs to know. So I guess it, it just depends on who everyone kind of works in a different kind of way, it's, it's the honest opinion. I mean, I think everyone knows how, how, how this works now anyway, so I'm not really exposing anything, to be honest.
0: I mean, it must be kind of pressure, especially if you're like the first half of a show and like you got the first match down, absolutely fine. But you're, you're now sitting there going, oh God, hopefully there's been no changes between that first match happening and the second yeah. match. Because you're just going, right, I'm yeah. hopefully I might get loads of information at this point. I might get none. So hopefully I've remembered everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that does. Yeah. I mean, sometimes if you think about like, if you're on your own, you're doing six matches you could get three and then you know you, you've, you've got your interval then in three so there's a lot to remember i guess then you just have to break it down into chunks and take the time you need to kind of, to go if you need to go backstage again then go backstage and that's why like myself and martin work really well together we kind of we can work off each other and he knows when i need more time or don't need more time or we can get going Or yeah so if you've got a good ring announcer that that can be half the battle too
0: so, so if uh, Martin's part of for time and discussing uh, where, where to get tickets and uh, get raffle tickets, you, you know what's happening. She's just like, you need a minute. <laughs> uh, 90%, ninety
1: percent, sorry, ninety five percent of the time, that's just his stick. Uh,
0: so, of course, part of refereeing is—I will all we'll speak about your influences and your heroes in a bit—but yeah. part of refereeing, obviously, is the ref bump. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first one? and how
1: nervous were you for it? Okay. I don't remember, I, I was the, I'll be honest, I did do a little bit of research before I came on here. I'll have to be open and honest. I did do a ref bump early on. Now, I'm trying to remember exactly when, but I'll maybe tell you the, the most memorable one from my first year, I think. So Cloverleaf Hotel, one of the rest sort of venues that unfortunately has been since demolished. An amazing venue. It was the ring on the sort of low setting. There was a bar, everyone around the ring. So, this is back in 2012, January. So, I'm going to start with, I should maybe say, you know, they were hanging from the rafters. Maybe is that something you say when you're telling that? an old wrestling story? You know, like so. on and, and the, <laughs> and the old Cloverleaf Sportatorium, <laughs> <Yeah, sport-torium, laughs> puffing a cigar. Um, but it was, was it. it it was a packed house. It was Damien versus um, Brian Tucker, uh, his undisputed title main event. And the crowd were absolutely hot for it. Just, It was just an unbelievable experience. Um, I took a bump and you know, I was hearing the crowd and I don't know what was happening because I'd unfortunately gotten in the way and was knocked off the side. And the crowd just went absolutely ballistic. Um, probably sterling ocean shenanigans as you could imagine, Billy. And when I came to and we got to Brian winning, I think there was actually people crying in the front row because it was was such an emotional moment because Brian had had the long sort of getting beat all the time and he won the Regal Rumble and now he's converted it into the Undisputed title and he's like the underdogs finally came good. I remember that one because I just remember that absolute racket that was occurring from the crowd as I was bumped off to the side.
0: That's I mean it must be great working at WrestleZone. I don't know if you have worked anywhere else, but uh, for WrestleZone anyway, that they're so invested that you can tell what's you, like you know what's happening in the match or have a rough idea. But when the crowd reacts you go, oh well this has happened. So that's fine yeah. and I've got I've got another minute here to, to wait and then Recover and, and what have you so it must be it must be quite good having such a vocal crowd i don't know if you've ever had a match where like i mean other than maybe the union square shows where there's just no reaction and you have to kind of well there's no ref bumps to a union square show really is there N- <laughs>
1: not not so far no um yeah union square is a com- completely different animal you've got that kind of walk by kind of crowd so they might stop for a couple of minutes and then keep going so Occasionally they'll stop. We'll hook them in and they'll stay. But they're not our not always the people that we're have at our shows. We've got some very amazing regulars that are at everything, no matter how far north or south we, we go, they they'll come in, they'll and uh, and they'll kind of kind of teach crowds as well who to boo, who to cheer. And it creates a really great atmosphere, no matter what part of the sort of northeast we're in
0: absolutely yeah i I, I think one year i i heard the square was starting at 11 so i was there on the train at half nine to come for 11 (laughs) i was there the whole day and from that point onwards i still i I always intended to go back for the whole day but then i got a girlfriend and i was like no i think i i I have other things to do now so (laughs) but always there was a year that we ended up coming to aberdeen during the day and uh it was all, I, I knew it was Union Square Day, but I didn't totally let on that it was Union Square Day. I was like, we should go up to Aberdeen, we should go do some shopping, go get some lunch. And then we ended up wandering past Union Square and it was Aspen against Johnny Lyons. And I was like, oh, I'll hang out here for a bit. She was like, okay, I'll go to Boots or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, I'll just stay here, you go buy stuff, I don't mind. Just go, yeah. go, go, go. Um, But no, that yeah, it day is is absolutely different animal. But yeah, I did say I was going to speak about about your res- referee heroes. So when you started thinking, right, I'm going to be a referee. We're trained to be a referee. Was there anyone that you kind of went back to study, uh, like uh, Jimmy Corderas, Mike Peoda, Earl Hebner, and like that?
1: I guess there's there's three is um, sort of Earl Hebner, Mike Genoa, and Charles Robinson was the three that I kind of kind of looked at and thought, yeah, that that's kind of what I want to be, uh, well, not as good as, but that's who I want to, to take inspiration from. Um, Jimmy Cordero as well, because he's actually released a training like DVD for referees. So I, I, I consumed that as soon as it came out too, and it was very, very useful. But yeah, just watching the little things that they do and how they keep out of the way and they're working just the three sides because they can't work the, calm, you know, the hard cam side for TV. And yeah, they're just, they're so good that, I think most people that watch wrestling don't even notice. Sometimes they don't even know if what referee maybe was even in the match. And that's the ultimate compliment in a way is if somebody's, if they don't notice you, means you, you if it's just a straightforward match with no like shenanigans and you're not noticed then you've done your job because you've not, never been in the way, you've, you've not done something that the crowd have then kind of tried to get on your back for, you've officiated it down the middle and yep, you could say good job. I've, I'm happy with that. Um, I've even even once or twice had sort of wrestlers say that. Oh, did you do my match? So that's that is the the ultimate compliment because it means I've not been in his way.
0: I think the thing with refereeing is you don't notice if you're doing your job right. And well, as a as a fan watching it, you don't realize the referee's doing their job right until you see a wrestler be a guest referee. Yeah, and realize <laughs> how difficult it is. Yeah. The, one, the one that springs to mind is uh, is uh, WrestleMania Seventeen, McFoley, um, as he stood directly in front of the hard cam for the big coast to coast. So we missed, we missed the whole like spectacle in the hard cam of, of the coast to coast. I watched the Steve Austin doc, um, interview recently. That's why I keep doing his hands because it seems to yeah. just it comes into my mind. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, we missed that. So we got we got the cool visual, but it's not the one that clearly Kevin Dem backstage wanting wanted the whole. Coast to coast thing, uh, but yeah, is, is there anything like that when you when you watch on TV and see these wrestlers do it? And you go, they haven't taken the time, they haven't they haven't studied this right.
1: Yeah, I think the, the likes of um, some sometimes when I watch old NWA, they might get an old NWA champion into sort of referee Dusty versus player, and they're just in the way. They just, I think they're they're just their mind is so set to be a wrestler, they just they can't help but be in the way. Um, Brody Piper as well. Did he guess refereed? Was it oh, Mania?
0: Oh, god, I quit match. Uh, Brett Backlund, yeah. And just
1: he was just he was, I thought it was like a triple threat, you know. What I mean, he just wanted to be in the match. I think myself and Mikey, especially, were not, we're not doing it to get like plaudits from the crowd or get our names chanted or anything, we're there. To do our job to the absolute best of our ability because you know a good referee can make you know a good match great and a bad referee can make a bad match terrible so we're in there to try and enhance the overall
0: experience
1: not to get ourselves over for want of a better term
0: yeah i'm now just having flashbacks to that well it's just because it's been there recently on OSW review and they had the the whole microphone i quit match do you quit he quit for no reason.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Oh
0: man. Um, right, so we dive into some of the questions I've got here. Just going to speaking about uh, ref. Well, we are obviously going to speak about refereeing because that's, that's the main point of this podcast. Yes. Uh, but Aspen Face jumped in with uh, just to ask you about his Hall of Fame worthy refereeing career alongside you.
1: Absolutely. He did the first half of that of show and did a sterling job. I mean, he's obviously a fantastic a fantastic wrestler, but i i think there was potential to be a a very very good and competent referee in there so yeah he did the first half he did the first half as a kind of to, just to help out to help us out and so that i wouldn't go in and maybe do the first match and hate it, at least there was a there was a backup so yeah that's that yeah that's like not many people would remember that just cuz it happened in sort of Fraserburgh, it's not it's not one of our huge towns that we would put the matches on YouTube or anything. So yeah. Aspen did Aspen did did help out and did a great job.
0: Jack of all trades here. He, he Absolutely. Referee, yep. super executioner, wrestler, uh
1: She's yep. much extraordinaire,
0: you know, just yep. all that stuff. Um we've got we got we loads of questions. So I'll just go for the next one, which is I believe Thunders, because this is going to spin off into a story which which we we're speaking about emotional moments. Um, there's one that we're definitely going to speak about that, that got me. I think it's the only time I've ever cursed your name at a show. Oh wow, uh, okay. <laughs> um, it's, so Blue Thunder kicked off with, uh, well he said, you can, can't ask the question he wants to so I don't know if you know what that may be, but uh, thoughts on the potential Law Family 2 Hebner stories that could have been?
1: Oh yeah, that would have been absolutely amazing if we could have just if the stars had aligned a bit better, um, yeah, that would have been fantastic. Cause I think some of our fan base would remember the whole Ted DiBiase has paid the money to, you know, do the facelift on the referee to to get the twin refs angle, but a lot of people wouldn't. So it could you imagine the reaction for the people that didn't know that I was an identical twin when either myself or my brother walked out and that would, I think that would be have been amazing just a shame we never got the chance to do it and maybe it's too too, too many folk know now but yeah that would have been brilliant and then I probably would have taken an absolute beating from whoever I had I had screwed out of out of the title but yeah that would have been fantastic because I'm I've got an identical twin brother it's it's not a secret so never seen ever, so as soon as the show's yeah.
0: returned everyone will be watching going is it
1: is it is it Dennis or is it his brother? You'll, you'll never know. Uh,
0: so this spin, spun off into uh, Christopher Third asking, well, he actually just had a fun memory of Earl Hemner swearing at him, which, you know. Yeah. It's all, all funny games. We've all had a wrestler swear at us at some Absolutely. point. Um, so he's asked, as a referee, is there a decision that you regret making, having to make, or being involved in? He's put, for example, the Montreal Screwjob type situation. Um, so is there any, any, any match that you've been a part of that you think... I, I regret being part of being part of this, but like, a match that you you felt you haven't performed your best or, or the disappointing one for you.
1: Okay, I thought he, I thought he was going down a different kind of road. So I, I think he's going scenario. for the,
0: the the actual part of the show. So we'll get that answer as well. But has there been a match that you've been thinking I have just miscounted? I'm counting. Uh, yep. Two, four, uh, two, four, six instead of a uh, one, two, three here.
1: Yeah, I've counted I've I've called a kick out that wasn't there, yeah. That was yeah, that's pretty much the one of the worst things that's happened to me was just a moment of absolute madness. Um yeah. On on a ballroom show as well. Um you know the the finish had been changed unbeknownst to myself. So I was waiting for a finish that was never gonna come. And they'd worked to their the competitors had worked to their finish and I went down and I started to count and I counted one, I counted two and I'm like, that shoulder doesn't look like it's coming up. And then I counted and I broke my count. And I don't know why because every other time I would have just, I have to count to three. It's what referees have to do. You know, if they're ever in that situation, they have to count to three and the result must stand. But I, I got it in my head. It was first First kind of you know it's a ballroom match as well so it's full of importance and yeah and I just beat myself up about that the the people that were in the match were really nice and gave me support afterwards but I was really upset with myself because I should have just counted to three I don't know why I I I just got into my own head and it doesn't it's not happened very often I'm going to touch with it it doesn't ever happen again it just even makes me feel sick just thinking about it but yeah that that kind of put a little bit of a taint on that ballroom show for me
0: I mean it happens to the best I mean was it Summer or something like that it was um, Rock, Carangle and Earl, Earl Hebner did that as well so I mean yeah. all, all the experienced ones do it as well so that's,
1: it's not Th- thankfully neither competitor jumped up and said to me what the Rock said to Earl was it the Rock said to Earl Hebner <laughs>
0: Possibly, yeah, because it was a <laughs> yeah. rock bottom and it was, that was supposed to be the yeah. finish, and I'll just lift just
1: it. I think he just says, kind of like this time or something, or something that made it completely obvious.
0: But yeah, that's
1: that's something that I'll take away from my refereeing career. Unfortunately, a, a sort of negative thought because oh, the, there's loads of backstory to it as well. Um, but yeah, the, it's just so frustrating, and I'll forever replay that moment in my head. It's like, just count two, three. It's like I'm watching it from above and I'm trying to tell myself, why did you not count to three?
0: So as far as on a show then, because WrestleZone is such a, a, a yeah. very passionate crowd, is there, is, has there been a result that you've thought, oh God, like this, this might actually cause a riot or it might cause some sort of uh, issue? And is it a table match? I mean, is it any match that's that could be
1: i'll give you i'll give you two i'll give you i'll give you one and then we'll go on to the table match because i know that's 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 what needs to be talked about but the first the f- the first one was a referee a referee show in in ellen and i was the only referee and the first match had a feet on the ropes um bad guy won. First match so every other match i came out and got kind of abuse and booed and they were asking me why their fan favorite had not won and I should get a new pair of glasses and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So that was quite a long, a long shift to be, to be fair. Um, when it comes to the the table match, uh, the the table that Archer went through was not a table that was allowed to be part of that match. Myself and Mikey and Martin had a very you know detailed discussion after that. Uh, the, the the Kings of Catch kind of just kind of jumped on the fact that music was playing and grabbed the belts, not waiting for the official to actually declare them the winner. So yeah, that that was not the, they did not, he did not go through the correct table. That result was then declared invalid and unfortunately they then lost, but that, that's not my fault. Oh um, uh, man,
0: prob- that was Martin's question. Uh, what coach to been- what controversial decision involving an official table has Dennis made? Well, official table I should say. Yeah. But no, I, I, while well, I was up in the balcony, as I like to be during Aberdeen Anarchy. and uh, yeah, when that happened, I was elated, and then when it was called off, I was like, "Damn you, Dennis! <laughs> Damn you to hell!" I was just like, "Oh, but that I means it, it means it got me." That's just that's just yeah, the power, power of wrestling, but. Yeah, I your, your name was mud for a good 20 minutes.
1: <laughs> I think if we had a karma on you, we maybe could have paused it to see the exact point where your heart broke, Billy.
0: He, that, that ask with faith has that effect on me, unfortunately. If that and uh, the rumble he, he fell out of was the two just...
1: Oh, yeah.
0: moments of my life uh, when it came yes. to watching wrestling, it was just like, oh, why? I um, think I
1: felt that on behalf of you when you slipped <laughs> off that that apron, I was like, oh, Billy is just going to be heartbroken.
0: Well, I think that's what he said in, in his interviews. He, was, he came up with the idea and was just like, I don't think anyone will, will get that. And he went, I know one person that will. <laughs> that was enough <laughs> for, yeah. for it to happen. I was just, that, yeah. Unfortunately, Kelly has to make do with me, me uh, whinging about it on the way home and having a wee uh, cry. Uh, so, but she gets pizza bites, so it kind of balances out, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'll down then. 2013 was the first one uh, in the ballroom, anyway. Um, yep. Over a thousand people. How's that for pressure?
1: Yeah, that is—that's a different level of, of pressure. You're thinking we're bringing wrestling back to the ballroom, um, and there's over, yeah over a thousand people. You're backstage, you can hear everyone coming in, settling down, and then you Neil know, Martin walks out, and you just hear the, the roar is. Yeah, like nothing I've ever experienced. And I look around and there's Hacksaw, Jim Duggan walking about that I remember watching on on TV when I was young and Billy Gunn. And yeah, just before um, we went out, kind of you just have a moment just before you go to the curtain and you're just like, wow, this is is really a privilege to be a part of.
0: I mean, it must be so weird seeing this. Pretty much your two years when you started watching and then when you kind of got back into it a little bit. That's your two worlds colliding because it's I say Hacksaw and then Billy Gunn. Um, yeah fortunately it's not so easy without actually would watch the matches to find out if you're refereed either of them. But uh am I right thinking he did the six man with hacksaw.
1: Yes I did. Yes yeah. I did. Yep. There's a there's a fantastic photo. I, I can't remember who took it. Um I wish I could to give them credit. it, it could be Dodd or it could be Brian that does our, our photos. I'm looking up at hacksaws kind of waving waving the flag and I, I thought that's a great photo but because in my head I was just looking up and going wow this is this is crazy this, this is just crazy. just
0: sitting there just doing USA USA <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah a thousand people shouting at the top of their top of their lungs for hacksaw hacksaw rolling through his, his greatest hits like like it's just nothing to him and having the crowd in the palm of his hand and it was just fantastic yep that was a great match to be a part of too. um hot shots and Haxo versus Team Smash and Scotty Maverick, I believe, was the was the bout.
0: It was, Yep. Yeah, I, I, I remember it well. Cause that, was all, cause that was my first one, so this is my first time seeing WrestleZone uh, in general, and it was because of Billy Gunn and Haxoff. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the guests, I mean, you mentioned some of the names that you, you quite enjoyed watching, and you've ended up being in a locker room with them or refereeing a match with them. Uh, so, of course, Mick Foley being the first, um, being one of them. Christmas chaos comes early in, in November. Um, of course, he's, he's not wrestling, but he's still involved in the show. Uh, were you able to, because according to, to everyone I spoke to, that, that spoke to pretty much a locker room and everyone kind of filed in one by one to, to to speak to him. Were you able, did you pick his brain about any refereeing stuff or were you just too in all just to go, right, I want to know everything about anything about that hell cell or,
1: or what have you absolutely i picked his brain i think when you when you bring over someone with such experience and you know fame as mick foley the last thing you want to do is leave that venue thinking i should have asked him a few questions myself and mikey went we we found our time it was it was like you you know you just had to pick your moment we don't want to go in and swarm him we just waited and we went in and we had a chat with him and he was an absolute gentleman just brilliant offered us advice uh you know spoke to us for a little while i thanked him for kind of everything he's done and then i had the pressure of him sitting ringside while i refereed the main event yeah no no no, that was yeah yeah because he he came out and and then he was sitting there and every so often i would just glance down and there's a great picture of me going down for a new year fall and kind of Mick Foley looking like that. And I was like, wow, that's another one that I could I could keep forever um, to remind me of this moment. Um, but yeah, that was a high-pressure situation. Um, I don't want to mess up in front of Mick.
0: And of course, the other one being Tatanka. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how
0: weird was that? Because <laughs> it's, it's yeah, quite, a, quite a long time since Tatanka had, had been in WWF. But that, well, Narsen, not that long, because he did that weird run back. But yeah, yeah Tatanka
1: he was great as well his match against demo is a very very underrated match they, they did a very wwe style of match and it played perfectly for our audience Um demo hammed up in the absolute nasty bad guy and titanka as well he was in great form and i really it's one of it was one of those matches as i'm refereeing and, and, and you're getting into the match and you're thinking wow this is this is really, really good, and I'm really enjoying myself. And, again, another surreal moment was seeing Tatanka coming out, and, and that's like, I'm the referee now. And I remember watching this guy as well on <laughs> my TV when I was young, with my brother and my dad. And, yeah, Tatanka, yeah, great guy too.
0: Um, I'm not just like a list matches that you've been part of, but, uh, there, of course, your, your Twitter profile picture is uh, you with with Blue King Shark gear uh, yeah. on. Now, I want to say it's the battle of the big men, but it's not. It's a six-man tag, isn't it? It's uh, him and rejected against, oh, no, catch my bets, Bull, Hurricane and and uh, Carlyle.
1: That was a making match. Ah, so that means,
0: means uh, Thunderbuddies Buddies and Demon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I did that match, yeah, against rejected and looking sharp. And, um, yeah, that was, is that right? I don't think.
0: That would have been the match. Yeah, I was, yeah, trying, yeah. I, was, when I said six man. I
1: thought, oh no, no, there's two of them. <laughs> yeah, my which was right. <laughs> now Devon again, very very easy to work with. Looking sharp. Can't believe how young he was at that time. When you think about, it, when you go back and and you, you work out, he was a very young, <laughs> a very young man, and now he's in the ring with sort of Devon Dudley, an absolute legend. You know, one of the best tag team wrestlers. Of all time as well, you know, along with Baba. Um, so yeah, that was a another thrill, and the table at the end, and yeah, that was that was great. I think I slipped at one point because there was water everywhere, like on the outside of the ring. I I'm sure I slipped. Right, I might just have been able to grab the sort of bottom rope, and I was outside at the very last minute. But I do remember slipping right at the end. But no one was no one was no one was watching me. They were watching never watching the destruction that was going on in the in the ring after the after the
0: match. Yeah, uh, well I mentioned every time Luke Sharp gets mentioned, it's, it's disgusting how talented he is. At such a young age, yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. He's what, 24? And he's he just he puts he puts a lot of people his age to shame. Just just how how he's got this massive Rolodex of of uh of international wrestlers in his little black book and um all, all over the world and of course he wrestled uh hornswoggle as yeah. well, all that all that good stuff. Um Anyway, so Thunder also came back with our question, so it's all kind of tie into um, one of your other Abdi-Anarchy matches. It's just put bow tie and blue stripes, and other. So, hmm. so what, what do you prefer to do to, to your refing gear in?
1: Okay, this is getting very granular and geeky, but if, if anyone's listened this far, they'll probably want to hear the answer to this question because they must have an interest in, in referees. Um, I really enjoyed the bow tie, but I like it to be special. I've only ever worn the, the bow tie in shirt twice in my wrestle career, both for world of sport rules matches. First one was the anarchy match, Aspen versus Len. Second one, lesser known, was Aspen versus Jimbo. And there's a certain there's a feeling you get when you put on that outfit. You feel super professional. It's a hark back to the sort of olden, the great days of the world of sport. So I enjoy wearing the bow tie, but I would never want to wear it all the time and overexpose it in a way. I like I'd like to keep it special for a particular world world of sport kind of type of match, deserves the the bow tie treatment. Um everything else, unfortunately, we'll just get the stripes. Unless Russell's Zone say the new referee uniform is the bow tie, then I then I would then I would toe the line and wear it. But I like it to be special. And those certainly the line aspect match was. It was great to be able to wear that to add to the sort of presentation of the world of sport match and show my yellow card as well, which I thought was quite cool. Uh,
0: yeah, that that match in particular has so many stories around it. So um, I don't, I don't. We're not going to obviously go as as you said granular into it uh, because mm-hmm. there's there's so many bits and pieces around many podcasts uh, with, with Aspen, especially.
1: Uh, there's quite a lot to unpack about that match, to be fair.
0: Uh, yeah, that whole day around <laughs> it. But, uh, yeah, what was just that moment where you were you're getting told, pretty much, tell them this is what's happening next. <laughs> what was going through your brain or are you just going, it's just part of the show, I'm calm, I'm the referee, got my bow tie, yeah. I'm just going to get through it, it's fine.
1: I think... So had the, had the bow tie on, had the outfit on, had my, my yellow card, my card. I was ready. I was in the ring. I was I was ready. I was focused. Uh, I'm going to referee this. It's going to be great. Going to count fall standing up, old school style. Um, good on the knees that. Um, but just just as the two competitors were were in the ring, completely on the fly. Um, I was told I had to say something before they started the match. If I knew that in advance, I would have prepared something. I would have watched the intros a bit more closely. So all of a sudden, I'm not the most confident person. I'm confident at my referee role, but stick a microphone in front of me and I'm not the most confident person in the world. I'm now trying to think, oh, what do I I have to say? What what do I say in front of a thousand people before this match started? And I wish someone in my head was like, I wish you would told you would have told me backstage this was gonna happen and I could have prepared myself for it. So I must have rambled off something and then boom, let's get going and let's just keep focused on what's happening in the ring and kind of kind of kind of block out anything that was happening around the ring and just focus on Aspen and Len delivering a fantastic match that I was certainly very happy to be a part of and and felt like they they really did justice to Len's kind of comeback.
0: Um, yeah, that's, that's a very diplomatic answer. I'm a very, yeah, <laughs> as, we, as we thought it would be. Uh, just, yeah, but uh, yeah, a- anyone who wants to know any more about that match, my podcast with Aspen Faith and uh, Mickey Smosh Pit with Aspen, you'll get the whole story somehow yeah, between the two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible. It's
1: his, it's, it's his story to tell. Uh,
0: but speaking of, of matches that, that, that obviously we, we can't go into a whole lot of detail in, um, you refed. You did ref Mike Ennis's one and only match. That's half on the record. Um, so I won't go into the, the opponent and all that kind of stuff because you know, speaking. Yeah, new, no. But the actual moment itself, you're you're there, refereeing your fellow referee in a match. How, how was that any different for you, or was just like run the mill? How how did that? Did you bounce off some ideas? Because, of course, Mikey knew, knows the rules. So he knows how to kind of, where he could stretch them. How How is that dynamic?
1: I think the, the match itself they had down, I didn't really want to try and put anything into their, into their match. There was a big sense of pride that I was involved in Mikey's wrestling match. And what a performance he, he put on that night. It was in great shape. You know, and he really, he, he really gave a good account of himself in the ring. So really for myself, it wasn't run of the mill. To me, there were, it was like a pride, like, oh, I'm really proud of Mickey. I'm glad I'm in here. I'm here if he needs any help. He didn't, but I'm, I'm there and I've got the best seat in the house to see him hit, perform his match.
0: Uh, was, was there any like night before dreams of just going right I can help him out I can I can hit their guy with something and be like oh referees all stick together or you're just like no it's fine I'll leave them to work out and I'll just, I'll just do my <laughs> job
1: <laughs> yeah I think it was just I think the last thing they needed was someone else to try and stick an, an opinion in they just needed to make sure that they were confident in what they were doing and yeah I thought it was like it's a great match, it's a shame that it's now lost for forever, we'll have to get Mikey to get back in the ring one more time just to just to, so we can get that match that he can um, show off in the future. That's that's,
0: one, that's the one that we'll get you in the ring for, uh, <laughs> the referee showdown. Nobody, will,
1: nobody wants to see that, uh, it, it would make sort of Nick Patrick and uh, Earl Hebner look like a Flair Steamboat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I absolutely forgot about that match until you just said that's a lot in our memory it. I think I,
1: I think a lot of people have forgotten about that match for a very good reason.
0: <laughs> oh man, Nick Patrick. What a guy. Um yeah, so <laughs> that's all I've got in my head. I've just got Nick Patrick in my head, which is <laughs> terrifying. Um so yeah, so as far as as like the next lot of referees, of course we've got James Chester, he's he's uh quite a bit yep. now. Uh, also had, uh, was his name Jack as well for a bit? Jack?
1: Well, Jack McGregor, yep. That's
0: McGregor. the one. Um, I, I, I used to, I love back in the day where you knew all the, all the referee names. So you had like, like Jack Doan and Teddy Long and you, you yeah. knew all of them. Now, nowadays, I know Mario Elias, if he has one, Rudy Charles, probably better. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Jack, so you kind of helping out training the next Lot of referees to come through, or is, do you deal with any of that at
1: all? They're predominantly trained through the and Training Academy. We're always on hand. Um, I like to speak to them, and and I like to tell them a lot of the stuff I didn't know when I was starting off as well. Um, so, well, me and my myself and Mikey, will grab the referee and go through go through a few things. Um, they're very they're trained to a very high standard at the training academy. I can't get through as much. I've kind of got a very, very busy personal life, work nine to five, study after work, two children, wife, out the road, et cetera. So I I don't get down as much as I maybe would like to. I do get down enough kind of, well, plan it go down just to get back and ticking over before we start shows again. But yeah, we we do make sure we impart knowledge um, as much as we can. Uh, There's a lot that, that maybe we didn't know specifically. Not that we weren't trained well, there's some things you might only learn from someone that's very experienced telling you about it or from just maybe failing at it and then being told afterwards maybe you should have done x y and z so yeah that's kind of what myself and mikey kind of like mentor and maybe more than more than strictly training
0: and uh, how annoying do you find it when you're trying to attend count and people count the the crowd count the number ahead
1: yeah <laughs> i that doesn't really bother me i've got kind of a reputation for not getting kind of broken or corpsing in the ring so I can kind of keep usually keep my head on straight and just count my count and ignore them because the minute that I the minute that you sell it they'll keep doing it forever so just ignore them and just let them have their fun Well, I'm I'm doing my job I'm, I I know how to counts to 10 so if I'm on 6, 7 comes next, doesn't matter if you shout 8 I, said, I, don't, I'd like,
0: I don't think I, I could handle that because I'm, I'm sitting there I'm sitting in the crowd getting furious at the same time when yeah. everyone shut up this is, there's, yeah. a, there's a count going on. This isn't funny, <laughs> but yeah. people find it funny. So I mean, who, who, what am I to to tell people what's funny or not? But uh, yeah, people do that or, or counting them just random. I used, to, I did it once maybe, randomly at one of my first shows, counting the wrong numbers, thinking, "Oh, I'm so funny," and then realised <laughs> I'm not. This is just no. annoying for everyone.
1: <laughs> I I certainly will ignore anyone that that wants to count different numbers. So. But follow your boots. If you've paid your ticket and you're sitting down, then that's fine. Oh yeah, as long as
0: you don't put
1: your don't hands you, on them, that's fine. Yeah, don't, don't swear. Uh, certainly, at Russell's own shows, and don't don't put your hands on anyone. Then yeah, if you want to, if you want to think, if you think you're clever and you want to count, then by all means, you very rarely rattle me.
0: Now you see, you say it very rarely. So that means you must have come close. Um, I'm sure, I think you did speak about it a little bit on, on the mosh pit, but yeah, has there been I a did, moment yeah. that's, that's properly got you I'm thinking, right, I'm going to have to just leave a little bit, I'm going to, to just turn away, and who are the culprits?
1: I think one of the main culprits that's got me close, not quite, not quite is, is anything involving Alan Sterling, whether it's Lord Alan, mixed Marshall, you know, Alan, or the, the current captain, Alan. He's very difficult to referee because he's just so funny. And it's, it's quite difficult to not laugh at some of his shenanigans, especially when he had like some malice in tour, or he had, or Jeeves was bundling himself into the ring. You know, it's very, it can be very difficult. Most of the time I would just turn around and see Martin losing it and I would just be, and that's even harder when someone else is, is laughing and you're trying your best to just remain straight-faced and stoic, And you can look, you don't even want to look at Martin at that point. You just want to ignore him and just okay. I'm ignoring him because he's laughing. I'm just going to end up laughing. So yeah, I think Gredo as well is he can be quite difficult to referee just because he's he's just unnaturally you know funny in the ring, funny backstage, just funny whatever. He, no matter what he does, he he's a very very sort of funny guy. So he's quite difficult to.
0: Uh, but jeeves. No, I've never seen someone take so many steps to get into the ring. It's just incredible. It's mesmerizing when you had the hump yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Oh man, just yeah. the absolute best. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yep, yeah. no, no. But that this has been a great podcast for me. Just remembering things, and going that was really good, and then that doesn't help for anyone that's on audio or video format. And me just chuckling to <laughs> myself, It's going, yeah, that was good. Uh, so as far as as are asked, my, st- my two stupid questions, so they're out of the way.
1: Uh, what's your favorite dinosaur? Hmm, I was. No, I can't. I can't go for a carnivore because I'm vegetarian, so I have to be a herbivore. So I'm thinking I'm going for Diplodocus, maybe. I
0: I, I did think you might have went for a a, a vegetarian one just because of that. Yeah, because because of your lifestyle. Uh yeah. Um, yeah. As for Mar- as for Martin as
1: well, he does enjoy when I regale vegetarian tales to him. So yeah, that's certainly if Martin's got this far listening, then that that's that's entirely for him.
0: Um well because well, I've got both of these on on Facebook somehow. Um it, it it seems to be every time I see your name or Martin's, it's usually some sort of vegetarian nonsense that's that's popped up, some sort of shenanigans evolving, uh an alternative or or that yeah um yeah <laughs>
1: so um. yeah we just can't help ourselves we just tag tag each other in just stupid stuff i think because for a while i kind of just turned i don't want to turn this into a vegetarian podcast because definitely nobody would listen but i just turned vegetarian but it didn't make a big song and dance about it and, it, and me Ma, I, martin kind of found out and then he was like the only one that knew and we went on a stagger with a lot of other people and nobody really noticed the whole weekend we were away that I was kind of only in the sort of cheese and tomato pizza or having the vegetarian breakfast at Witherspoons. spoons but nobody really put two and two together that never told me I never got ribbed about or anything and I would have thought there would have been a, a few ribs because I don't mind them am I you know I don't mind that so but now everyone knows so now we just make it completely public we're talking each other in stupid stuff and yeah like like there'll be something on there. It says tag the one, f- you know, list the one food you won't eat, and I'll put meat, and just put Martin's name tag next to it, just to waste his time. Really, and he does the same back to me.
0: Um. So, so did you do it just just out of just choice? Was there an any particular? I mean, you, you've you've already uh, failed the vegetarian test because I had to bring it up, kind of thing. Uh. But, but uh, yeah. So was it was that a particular reason, a health reason, or just didn't fancy being meat anymore?
1: It's just something I've wanted to do for a long time. Personal choice, personal reasons, sort of moral reasons, and I just decided five, almost just over five years ago, just to go for it. And I've just just kept going, just wanting to remain vegetarian as long as I can. And yeah, I can't say my wife was overly overjoyed, you know. She had to cook two separate meals and a third one, you know, because our older daughter can be quite fussy, so she's maybe. Cooking three different meals at one time, or or I'm cooking my own, she's cooking her own, and the older the older ones looking for something to eat. So it does make things a bit hectic, especially you know, when you marry the best sandwich maker that Elgin's ever seen.
0: I was about to say it must be like a bus. <laughs> would have been like a busman's holiday for her, just coming home and going, right, what are you have right, I'll make that. <laughs> what are you have make that. And uh, yes, that's that was such a weird like. Closing up like crossing of circles in my yeah. life that I would go to I would go to uh, the lunchbox most mm. afternoons at that point and yeah then you started going out with Gemma and I was like this is so weird <laughs> it's just the weirdest crossing ever and then, in fact seeing her at Aberdeen uh, Anarchy shows I'm like this is weirder this is just yeah this is odd but
1: she yeah. actually um she actually catered one of the Anarchy shows backstage as well uh, the same year. It was the year that I did the land match, the first the first land match. It was Gemma's catering backstage. Obviously, it was amazing. So yeah, so she she got a cater one one Anarchy show and then through marriage, I've, I dragged her away from Elgin. So unfortunately, she's no longer a sandwich shop owner. But the the shops in, the shops in safe hands and it's still it's still a good it's still a good shop to go for your lunch.
0: So this has completed this, the, the, the Marty Jones tale then, because it was Gemma's fault that he got perplexed over cheese sandwiches.
1: I don't know <laughs> where he has lived his whole life and he's never seen a cheese sandwich before. But yeah, that's quite, quite unusual for someone to have such a strong reaction to a free sandwich, especially in Aberdeen. Usually, you know, if you're up in Aberdeen, anything free is absolutely brilliant. He didn't really get with the programme
0: here. <laughs> absolutely. I'm all... Uh, yeah, especially at Aberdeen prices in some places you think fall off Absolutely. with all of uh, Yeah. Uh, so, um, of course, of last, not of last year, I'm getting so confused in my own timeline here. Last year, uh, the world ended because of COVID. Yeah. Um, well, I haven't asked my, my second stupid question, but we'll get to that in, in a minute. Um, right. So, this is so super organised as always. World ended, no shows to, to referee at, um, and of course, were like, you working at home for the start of, of this office working from home thing?
1: Predominantly, um, back in the office now, but I've had spells where I've been working from home, yeah. So the challenging kind of situation of working from home with at the time, Marley, my youngest, would have been, she would have been one. So she was kind of just getting her feet and running about as I was kind of working from home and kind of getting more and more, wanting her dad all the time so yeah it's been it's been a very interesting interesting year I mean a- absolutely we've not been affected by Covid at all and you know thoughts and prayers and you know, heart goes out to anyone that has been we just had the inconvenience of me being at home all the time.
0: That's, yeah that's just pretty much what's happening here as well yeah. I, I've, I mean I love it because I don't like hanging out with people in an office so this is my office and I've got all my stuff it's great yeah i don't know yeah. what i to do if to go right you go back to the office like well how am i going to get all my stuff in here this isn't gonna yeah. work work for me thank I'll, you
1: i'll leave my own room please and shelving and yeah please all right then i will come back yeah
0: i need somewhere to put my my beyond uh, year and my captain america shield <laughs> and then that's that that is a deal breaker for me uh, <laughs> so yeah so i mean you're very busy working of course family raising a family as well during that time so wrestling probably wasn't wouldn't have been a priority before lockdown, really. But have you been able to, to kind of watch study anything? you did see you've been watching a little bit of bit of everything, but is there anything in particular that's grabbed you AEW, New Japan, WWE? What's what's been your flavor?
1: Still a still a WWE loyalist, um in watching mostly the paper reviews now. I don't really have have the time to kind of watch the weekly TVs, I kind of read, I read spoilers, I listen to Busted Open and that kind of gives me enough, you know, reviews and kind of that kind of covers it so I can watch the pay-per-views. They've always got to be highlight packages anyway. I have watched AEW. It, it can be quite a difficult watch, I'm afraid. Um, some of the things they do at the referees I don't necessarily agree with. I don't want to sit and become sort of Jim Cornette or, or other detractors, but I think they can maybe look after the referees a little bit better. However, I have been watching sort of Aubrey Edwards' referee in some of Chris Jericho's matches and kind of seeking inspiration from her, certainly, um, definitely in the early kind of run of AEW, the, the, the kind of way that they worked her into matches and kept her really, really strong and really authoritarian. And even sort of Chris Jericho was toeing the line. It was really good to see.
0: Um, yeah, there's that. I mean, I don't, I don't watch it because every time I watch it, I think, oh, this is actually pretty good. They make some sort of really hamfisted, um, like reference that only people that read sheets and spend their days on Twitter understand. Like, oh, you've taken, you've taken me out of it now. That's right. You've taken me out of the moment. I was enjoying it. You've just ruined it for me. But there's uh, there's one referee that that does the Young Bucks matches that seems to just be in the place. Right there we go.
1: Like r- not, Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm um, sorry, yeah. a particular
1: period of your life watching AEW? I think so. I think it's because I enjoy referee and tag team matches so much. And a really well put together tag team match, proper ring cut in half, referee still looking strong, even though the kind of heels are cheating, but the referee isn't seeing it. It can be an absolute work of art. And I really enjoy doing tag team matches. So when... And the sort of young Bucks matches when there's no counts or they're kind of just left to do whatever they want. I, I kind of, I struggle to see how that's keeping the referee strong. You're kind of just making him look like he's just there to count, maybe the three at the end. And he can be so much more. And, I, and really good tag matches is just, it's just a joy to be part of. And that, that does kind of frustrate me. Um, but I guess, I mean, AW's on a bit of a tear just now, so it's not really affecting where they're going. It just affects people like myself that's maybe more skewed to watching what the referee's doing anyway. Just naturally watching the referee.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, I suppose as, as a referee yourself, you're always, like you say with Aubrey Edwards, you're always looking for a little bit of inspiration to maybe add a subtlety to, yeah. you, to your own work. Um, so just wild future planning. Uh, what would be your your dream match to referee, to stand the ring and, and watch would it be, I don't know plucking names out of my head okay. here. Flair, Undertaker, just so you get the entrances. What would be your kind yeah. of dream?
1: It, and can it be? It does have to people that are currently
0: active. Does it um, go for both? One's, one's, okay. one that's possible, uh, even if it is a bit of fancy. One that is possible to happen, and one that you just okay. would love to be in the ring for.
1: One that it's a complete fantasy would be a minute express rock and roll express match in their prime would be just absolutely amazing Jim Cornette on the outside I'd love to I, I would just be a I'd be so good there'd be so much there'd be so much to do but these guys would be so good and you you have one of the well one twos in terms of greatest managers of all time on the outside as well could you get any better than that from classic Brilliant tag team wrestling. I would love to have been a part of that. Um, kind of doing it every night or on tour with them would just be unbelievable. Not sure I could keep up, even because they're just that good. So that would definitely be the the fantasy match. Would definitely be that. Um, and um, yeah, so try to think It'll of a modern match. Would it's maybe going to be boring? So it's going to be. I think tag. Try not picking tag teams because I would love to referee an FTR match because they get it. They know exactly how to perform in a tag team match and keep the referee. You know, look at some of the matches they did in NXT against, you know, American Alpha, just unbelievable. And the referee was as big a part of the match and they used the referee so well that FTR would definitely be on the the kind of, the dream, the dream list. I'm just trying to think if there's a tag team out there that would be able to work with them and deliver such a polished and great tag team performance.
0: Outside of that, I guess, would, like, a pure rules match also be up here, Ali, Ring of Honor?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. A, a pure, pure rules match, yeah. Even, even another, so sort of, if you went back and could do another World of Sport match, but with people in their, people in their prime, um yeah. Just try to think pure rules. <laughs> see if you could see if I could have been in there for some of the um Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness matches back in the day. That would have been a great experience too. When they were going back and forth. Especially like I think they had a match in Liverpool that was I think it was a bit of a bloodbath, but I think it was very a very, very good match as well.
0: Trying to give an art tag team to go with FTR now, nah, not like yourself.
1: I think, but if you look at some of the, if you could do the cross promotional, you could could maybe slide the Usos in there, or you could could slide the New Day in there, or just people that are just tag team focused. I'm not talking about throwing two people together and, and calling them a tag team. Certainly, the the intensity and speed of maybe an FTR Usos match would be would be something for kind of the modern era, or maybe. You know, FTR versus I'll try to think someone in AEW, Young Bucks, maybe, but probably not. Maybe Hangman Hang and Omega, maybe. I could potentially. There's
0: always one question I ask in these podcasts yeah. that I just know is going to haunt you for the rest of the day. Yeah. That, that that,
1: like, that, I, <laughs> I think I need maybe like a roster up on my screen and I can have a look and think, hmm, who could I? Who could I choose? But definitely, yeah, definitely FTR, FTR, and another.
0: Um, so I'll dive in. My, my second stupid question to ask, which I think seems to be insensitive when I ask this because of the nature of the question, but uh, we'll go for it anyway. Uh, what would win a fight: two sheep or one cow?
1: Hmm, that is a very difficult one. Um, two sheep and one cow. It's not a fight to the death or is it for them answer this? Um,
0: you know that—that's the question. I leave it. I leave the person answering <laughs> to to make up their own mind. It could be a count out. It could be. Okay. It could be a submission. I don't know how. Okay. But you know, just how how you would uh,
1: <laughs> how you would decide yeah.
0: who wins. It's 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 up to you.
1: <laughs> I guess being an Aberdeen fan, I've maybe got to favour the sheep, however. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <You> just <laughs>
1: Just, just, play to that stereotype. We'll go with the, We'll go with the sheep being an Aberdeen football fan. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. Um, no,
1: for, no further questions on that topic, please.
0: That's right. Yeah, no. I realised I was about to ask it. Going, we've just had a, a good five ten minute chat about being a vegetarian and going. So what are we going fight then? <laughs> These two animals. Um, but yeah, no. That's just the the, the, jo- the joys of doing a street yeah. podcast. Um, right. So yeah. So. Last thing about refereeing, then before we, we kind of wrap up, because like I said, I try and keep an hour until I've got Scotty Swift on, who just ruins it all uh, by, by speaking to me for, well, speaking together for two hours. Um, as far as you say, you watch the referees, we've already mentioned uh, Rick Knox, I have Mike Knox in my head, uh, Rick Knox uh, being like, doesn't look very strong because of the way he's presented. But is there any special guest referees that you've watched and went, they've actually
1: they've got this kind of thing. Is there anyone that, that, that comes to mind? Guest referees. Let me think. I think for what he did in the match, Shamrock in Mania 13. And I think as well, I was watching a clip not long ago of, I think it's just because of the way the story progressed of when Triple H refereed that um, Randy Orton-Brian Danielson match. And just the whole afterwards, it was just like, yeah, that's, that's perfect. You know, just play it straight and then afterwards you get your way. I quite enjoyed that, um, but there's not really... I think guest refereeing, maybe a special shout out to Richard R. Russell when he, he guest refereed in Toronto <laughs> one time. But yeah, I guess guest refereeing, they kind of kind stand out as not maybe doing the job quite as well as the referee, which maybe is good in a way because if, if they could suddenly just slide in and do it, then who's to say that anyone can just go and do it? I can't. I can't wrestle, so I would be an absolutely terrible and one of the world's worst ever wrestler. So I, yeah, maybe I shouldn't expect them to be as good.
0: That, that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, that's the reason why they're the special guest referee. They're not supposed yeah. to be an actual referee. So that, yeah, yeah that that's all makes sense. Um, so before the little other note I have that we haven't um, hit on uh, before we, we wrap up is wrestling with an earpiece. How was that for an experience the first time? And and did you get used to it quite quickly? Uh, Sitting there with just this nattering, going into your
1: gear? I think we used to always make sure we had it for the anarchy shows because they are so important and timing is so important at the ballroom that you don't really want to be chasing your tail at the ballroom. Worst show ever to do it in. So we had some experience, but it was kind of like you did it once and then you didn't do it again, then you did it next year. And now we've got a more permanent solution and a more permanent setup. It is quite interesting. It, is, it does help our job. You can, you can tell us when when to wake up from a ref bump or you know how we're doing for time. But um yeah, it it you get used to it after a while. Uh, and not been messed with too many times. Maybe people just assume that I'll, I'm not gonna be rattled by it, so just leave me alone, which is fine by me. So there's been no no major shenanigans that's gone on over the over the headpiece, so that's always that's always a bonus. But they do improve the quality of 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 the shows as well. There's there's been a few times where maybe a match has gone gone backstage and they've realised that they maybe should have just stopped it, you know, five minutes in and not went eight. You know, like if the crowd was biting and they're, they're going for it. Maybe someone backstage could have said, "Okay, stop now. You've got them." time to go home but without the earpiece there's no you're kind of you're kind of stuck and you can't get that message out there there's no one to put a pencil or thing either tie in our shows like the old school way so yeah no they, they certainly do enhance the shows and are, are definitely a, an asset but it does take a little while just to get used to it because you're kind of they kind of they go right in your ear so it's kind of that kind of imbalance to begin with but once they're in a little while you you just get used to them just like anything else
0: well, I mean, I've I've asked all my questions. Is there
1: anything on on your notes that you made that, that haven't um, brought up at all? <laughs> let me just have a look. I did actually take notes. Being an being an accountant and quite a precise, a precise gentleman, I I did I did take a few a few notes. Um, I think I was just going to talk about another one of the other imports that I've worked with. Um, yeah, hard, okay. Hardcore Holly has a reputation that. He is a big scary Alabamian man. Nothing like that. An absolute pleasure and really easy to work with. And it was quite nice to get that retirement match for Len as well. A traditional wrestling match. So I've covered both aspects with Len. I've done the world of sport match and I was privileged enough to do his retirement match, which was a more sort of WWE style match. And so I was very delighted to be doing that match. And and it was great, Line coming off the second. That was just um, a bit surreal for everyone in attendance that day. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great. And some of the strongest chops I think I've ever felt and probably got injured by osmosis by some of the hardcore Holly on Johnny Lyon's chops was just unbelievable. I don't know if you spoke to to Johnny Lyons. Yet. I've, I've got Johnny,
0: it? I'm supposed to speak to him next week in in the real world yeah. timeline. Um, so that yeah. is definitely being definitely being brought up. If I can, yeah. if I can, hand, if I can, kind of rein Johnny in. Cause I'm assuming once yeah. I hit, hit a topic he's very passionate about. I'm, I'm lost. Absolutely.
1: To be <laughs> yeah, because if you've if you've watched some of his um, YouTube videos, especially the one on cinema etiquette, once he gets going, there is no stopping uh, Mr. Lyons. He just goes for it. So yeah, very very entertaining, very entertaining. But yeah, hardcore Holly was another one that was a, a bit surreal too. I didn't really see, like, loads of his career, but I've seen enough of, of everyone that we've brought in for it to be quite a humbling experience. Um, and Holly was just lovely and watched all the matches that he could as well. And, yeah, if every, if every import was, was like him, it would be absolutely brilliant. Most, most of them are. Most of them have been, most of them have been nice.
0: There's definitely a story behind that, but that thats I, I know that uh, that's never a story that I'm going to get, especially when you're actually refereeing. No, uh, no, no. On who hasn't been the best, but like I say, I've listened to Mosh, but I've listened to all that. I know I'm not getting that story today. So uh, I will wrap up then. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for joining me today uh, on SWM Podcast. It has been fascinating to find out a bit more of the of the actual refereeing side of wrestling, but uh, thank you for joining me.
1: Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to come on again if you ever want, or if myself and Mikey, by all means, invite us on. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Denzil, D-E-N-Z-I-L underscore law. Or if you are a wrestler and you're not sure if you are meeting the obligations from HMRC or you should be doing a tax return, quite happy for anyone to contact me if you need any tax advice, tax planning. I work for a firm up in Banff and happy to speak to anyone who can work work remotely, we can work over the cloud, and I can help you with any tax obligations, or tell you you don't have any, which maybe is better. So, yeah, by all means, hit me up. Accounting by Trade can help with with everything to do with that.
0: I like that you've you've noticed I forgot about the social media question. Fantastic. (laughs) That's okay. okay. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you very much.
1: No problem at all. Thank you for having me, Billy. And, And thank you to yourself and your team for keeping the promotion of Scottish wrestling going. Throughout lockdown, before, after, during, great to see your stuff going up there. And and I've listened to quite a few of your chats and yep, no, fantastic. Big thank you for everything that you do as well. Thank you.